0: let that sit in for a moment. It's okay to be silent before the Lord. I just feel like we need to. We had a, hopefully you were able to engage with the Father and His love during worship. I love worshiping the Lord with you. So would you just take a minute and bow your head? Young and old, kids, boys, girls, men, women. And would you just think about Maybe one thing that stuck out in worship or that video. Let it sear in your mind. I know many of you, myself included, needed to hear that so often the war that we fight is against us, against me, against me. It's not against anybody else. And you got to lay your weapons down. Because Jesus laid it all down on the cross. Some of you need to let go this morning the things that you've been holding on way too long that aren't yours to hold on anymore. Isn't it amazing that Christ was crucified for us, yet we keep him on the cross by holding on to our sin and offenses that we won't forgive? I have to tell you that he's not on the cross anymore. That's done and paid for. He's risen. He's alive. And He wants to heal your wounds this morning. And I'm asking you, if you're still in that moment, to to go ahead and just keep your heads bowed. I'm going to read the scripture for today. It will be on the screen if you want to look at it, but let these words speak to you. Romans 12, verse 9. Let... Love, be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Rejoice in hope this morning. He's not on the cross anymore. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. You will get through the storm. He is with you. And He is in you. And there is nothing you cannot get through while you're holding on to His amazing, unchanging hand. Be constant in prayer. Alignment with the Lord. Knowing that the Father hears your prayers and He answers in His perfect will and timing. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never, ever be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought. Stop. Slow down. Pause. Selah. And give thought. Give thought. Thought. to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Because after all, we are serving an audience of one. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved. Elevation. Put your name in there. Never. Never avenge yourselves. Believe it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed them. It's not our culture at all. But it's the kingdom culture. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome evil by evil, but overcome evil by doing good. Abba, Daddy. Papa, Heavenly Father, Holy One. God of heaven and earth. God of the unshakable kingdom. God the father of the orphan the protector of the weak God the most powerful God our ever-present help in time of trouble may our hearts this morning be turned upside down into gratitude and Thanksgiving for what you've done lift our eyes above the pit of despair the pit of sin, the pit of wrongdoing and unforgiveness. Lift our eyes, God, to you. Just like Peter stepped out of the boat, you're calling us this morning to step out of the boat and to run and walk towards you on the waters. What you're saying is you're calling us to do what the world says we can't do. You're calling us to do the impossible, to forgive those and love those who have wronged us and don't deserve forgiveness. But yet, Jesus, when you spread your arms wide and you were crucified on the cross, you forgave us and you forgave them too. I pray we'd experience your love. And just as Peter was walking on the water and he saw the winds and the waves and the clouds and he began to look away from Jesus and he began to sink. Father, if anyone right now who hears my voice is sinking, I pray that they would cry out to you and reach out and grab your hand. And would you do that through your word, through your message? Change whatever I have planned for your glory. Speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. I step out of the way. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning. My name is Phil Nelson. I'm so glad to be here with you this morning. Um, It's a little frustrating because I've been planning this message and God keeps changing it walk in my shoes. It's crazy. You plan and plan and plan and then he says I'm going to change it and I thought we were set last night and then my brother comes up and says God wants to tell you that he's going to change your message. Go with it. Yeah, go with it. (laughs) So we'll go with it. Uh, We were supposed to start start the uh, sub-series called Healthy Finances. We're going to do that on Sunday. So we're not false advertising on the marquee. We're going to do it next Sunday. But uh, Earlier this week after last Sunday's message on forgiveness, I hope, you, I hope you opened your hearts to that message because God wants to set you free and there is nothing like unforgiveness that will clog the flow of God's love in your life. And so we're going to focus one more Sunday on this message of forgiveness because I believe, like last week, we saw people surrendering to God and opening their hearts, opening that wound that was so painful and hurtful and has cost years of their life to allow the forgiveness of love to start coming in. Many of you didn't take communion last week because as we read the word of God, it said, Not to take communion if we have something against our brother or sister or if we have unforgiveness and bitterness in our hearts. Communion is a sacred thing. How can you take the elements that remind us of what Christ has done with still bitterness and unforgiveness in our hearts? And so we're going to have communion today and so I'm excited for many of you to have communion that you've never had before. Communion that you take in freedom and wholeness. And so the message title for today is called Learning to Love. Learning to love. We're going to look at the power of love, not Huey Lewis's song. Kids, ask your parents who Huey Lewis is. We're going to look at the power of love. And then we're going to look at letting it go. Kids, teach your parents that Frozen song, Let It Go. Parents are like, don't sing that one more time. (laughs) So we're going to look at the power of love. We're going to look at what it looks like to let it go at the cross. So many of us just need to let it go. And we can't do that without the Holy Spirit's help. And then after we experience the power of his love, and as we let it go, we are commanded by Jesus himself to go. To go and make peace with one another, to go and live in harmony with one another, to go and show the grace that was given to you to other people, to go love people unconditionally, not because of what they've done or what they can give you in return, but to go and love as Jesus loved, that while we were yet sinners, and he who became, or he who knew no sin, became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. That's the love. That he wants to pour out into your lives. But you've got to first receive it for yourself before you can give it. And so many of you are trying to pour out love, but you don't love yourself. You don't see the person that God sees. And you need an awakening. You need new vision. You need to put on new lenses today. And see that you are loved. You are cherished. You are favored. You are chosen. You are so special and precious. It doesn't matter about your past. God loves you. And he wants you to receive it. And experience that freedom. So that you can give it away and show that Jesus lives in your heart. So the power of love. Here's what a power of love looks like. And I think we've seen glimpses of this in our local church body and throughout our community. Here's what the power of love looks like. A life that is bought with Christ's special, sacrificial blood on the cross. And it's only possible, that love is only possible by receiving his love. You cannot walk around and forgive and receive his love with clenched fists You just can't. You have to be open. I cannot fill this water bottle up until I take off the cap. This is what the power of love looks like. It's a heart that has been changed because Christ now lives there. And it is made evident by living out that supernatural, unconditional love that you don't deserve and that others don't deserve. Here's what the power of love looks like. A marriage that has been strengthened and held together by Jesus Christ himself. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes that a triple braided cord, you, your spouse, and Jesus Christ, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, cannot be broken. And it can't be broken because God's unconditional love is the core foundation of your marriage. If he's the core foundation of your marriage, say amen. Wow, we need to have a marriage retreat. <laughs> this is what the power of love looks like. Two nights ago on Friday, 20-some young men opening their hearts to that amazing love and experiencing that incredible love from their heavenly daddy. And that love then, once received, these kids' hearts melted and strengthened like I have not seen in young men in a long time, was made visible by them sharing their sins with other people going home, confessing their sins to mom and dad, and sharing their desire to be men who love and forgive. That's the power of love. You know what the power of love looks, here, looks like here and in the church of Jesus Christ? is a body that is filled with real people. Real people who find real hope in Jesus. And when you find real hope, you experience real life change. And when you experience real life change, transformation and revival take place. That's what the power of love looks like, and it is marked by the love that oozes out of you. It can't be stopped. And you're living in and out from the confidence that you have of being a child of God. If you're a child of God, would you say, I'm here? here. here. Me too. This kind of power of love in the church looks like those choosing to love without any expectation of receiving anything back in return. Settling short accounts quickly. Not getting caught up in gossip. Not getting caught up in comparing yourself to one another and what other people have and what other people are doing and what God is doing in and through other people. And not dwelling in assumptions because we know what assuming does, right? I'm not going to say it on stage because people are live streaming. Hi, everybody, on live stream. Can you all say, hey, live stream? Yeah. I think my sister's watching. Hey, I love you. Okay. Okay. Um, A church settling short accounts, not getting caught up in gossip, comparing or dwelling in assumptions, and casting judgments, which all cause division. But it's a church that comes together, putting Christ first, worshiping him with surrendered, broken, joyful, grateful hearts for what he has done and who he is. That's the power of love, church. And that power of love is then proven real at Elevation and churches throughout the world. It's proven real and authentic and true by how we love ourselves. Oh, how we love one another. Learning to love one another is all about modeling the love of Jesus. Showing compassion and righteousness for the well-being of one another. Learning to love is all about modeling the love of Jesus, which is at the very core of that love, grace, and forgiveness. We love because he first loved us. We give grace unmerited favor that you don't deserve, that I don't deserve. We give it because we've been given that. So learning to love like Jesus is learning to receive and give grace and forgiveness first to yourself and then to others. After last week, I, I shared a, a message on the scripture, Matthew 6, 14 through 15. It's going to be on the screen, but I tell you, this, this verse has really rocked me. There's been several people here and outside of the church that I've talked with really wrestling with this scripture verse. Because if we don't understand it properly, it will lead us to false, unhealthy conclusions. And it will lead you to guilt and shame, which Christ died to take that away. So the verse says this, For if you forgive others, their sins, their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. Now this is a serious scripture. There's severity there. There's consequences there. Jesus is really saying, hello, listen up. But what he's not saying is that you will never be forgiven, meaning cleansed from your sins. Because if that's taken literally, it means that Jesus died in vain and his blood that he bore and the nail-scarred hands that he has is not good enough and powerful enough for your life. It's not what the Scripture's saying. What it is saying is it's talking about the power of forgiveness and how it impacts you and impacts others. So let's look at the Greek word for forgiveness. The Greek word, let me look in my notes here, is Afi ame. Afi ame. Can you say that with me? Afi ame. Good job. Which means forgiveness means to lay aside. To lay aside. Let alone to let go, to put away. It even means to suffer. Sometimes to give forgiveness, we suffer. We lose. we, we lose something. To forgive, we let it go. And so the word forgiveness here is all about you releasing forgiveness. Now here, we do not forgive the sins of others. That's not our job, and it never has been. You do not forgive sin. Christ Jesus forgives sin. Not us. What we do is we release that forgiveness the cross of jesus that forgave that person but you have to let it go you have to release it the measure that you release in forgiveness is the measure that will be released to you jesus is saying if we don't let it go and we don't forgive others we will not experience the release that he died for freedom complete wholeness And reconciliation and restoration. That's what forgiveness brings. It releases the chokehold from you and the other person because by grace we have been saved. Are you with me? So we will not experience that release if we don't release forgiveness to others. That release releases that heavy burden that weighs you down and robs you of your peace and your joy and your rest and most ultimately, your freedom. Forgiveness is about, not about you forgiving sin because only the blood of Jesus did that. It is releasing that into the hands of a gracious God who forgave you and wants to forgive other people. Here's a scripture. Excuse me. Here's a quote from the movie Shack that I talked about last Sunday says this, birds were created to fly. You, my child, were created to be loved. Being unloved is like clipping a bird's wings. If left unresolved, it will become like they forgot what they were created for. You see, that's why Jesus died for us, is so that we would be loved and to be able to love one another as Christ has loved and forgiven us. And when we don't, we clip our wings and we wonder why we're still in the nest. We wonder why we can't fly and live that fulfilled life that he promised us. So if you're not feeling like you're thriving and you're in alignment with God, check your wings. Check your love meter. Have you received his love and forgiveness? Have you let the past be the past? And let Jesus remove your sins as far as the east is from the west. That, my friends, is the power of love. And so now, let's focus on, through the power of love, being able to let it go. I want to tell you a story of a young boy who was very, very troubled. Very troubled. And he lashed out in anger. He was always finding himself in the principal's office. Sounds like my life. Just to fit in, he was bullying other kids just so that he wasn't bullied. He was making fun of kids to feel good. He would do hurtful things to hurt and beat down people. He'd come home and do nothing that was of love or serving mom and dad. He would talk back. He would run out of the house, didn't know when he was coming back. He was just very troubled and didn't understand what he was doing. So the father said, enough is enough. So the father took the son out to the backyard, took him strongly by the neck and the shoulders, and said, son, what do you see? The boy's like, what are you trying to teach me? It's just a wooden fence in our yard, dad. He said, yeah, you're right, it's a wooden fence. And you've been having issues of hurting people. You've been having issues of not listening and talking back. Your words are painful, and they do damage. And every time you wrong somebody, Every time you offend somebody, every time you disobey your mother and father, every time you haul off and smack your brother or sister, I want you to come outside and grab the hammer, grab a nail, and I want you to pound it into that wood fence. Pound it like no other. Get your aggression out, get your anger and bitterness out, and pound it into the fence. And then when you're done, I want you to look at that nail. And I want you to understand that that nail, your sin, was pounded into Jesus, your Savior. And he forgives you. And now you need to go ask for forgiveness with every nail you pound in. So the boy, not knowing the power of this, just really liked getting his aggression out on the fence. He started pounding these nails in day after day after day after day after day. day. Four years go by, and the father sees a change in this boy. And he takes him out, and he says, son, what do you see? Son says, you know what, Dad? I, I see a lot of nails. And the father says, I'm so proud of you, son. You've learned to be careful of what you do to your Savior. And what you do to others, and you've been quick to ask for forgiveness, and I'm proud of you. But what the dad knew is the tables have turned, and this boy's now in high school, and he is struggling. He's not liked, people are picking on him, people are pushing him out. Teachers are saying hurtful things to beat him down. His self image is being warped, and he is discouraged, and the father has noticed that he is really depressed, he thinks so negatively of himself. So the father said, son, now when anyone hurts you, when anyone wrongs you, when anyone causes you pain, I want you to go to that fence and I want you to pull out a nail. He says, no, nah, but dad, i pounded those things in the, in the fence. They're not going to come out. He says, you'll find a way. It may take you some time, but you'll find a way. So one by one, year after year, this boy started to understand forgiveness by offering forgiveness and leaving it at the fence, taking the nail out, throwing the nail away, taking the nail out, throwing the nail away, taking the nail out, throwing it away, prying the nail out, throwing it away. Now comes graduation day. Son is ready to move on to college. Dad pulls the son out and says, son, what do you see? Son says, no more nails, dad. Dad says, I'm so proud of you. You became a man by learning to seek forgiveness, to release forgiveness, and then to receive forgiveness. I'm so proud of you. But what do you see? What do you see? The son says, there's a bunch of holes in the fence. But the nails are gone, Dad. You're right. And you see, When we ask for forgiveness. And we offer forgiveness, we take out that pain and that hurt. We take out that offense. but There's still a hole. There's still a mark. We need not understand. That that hole, if that nail is still there, that wound is fresh and open and it will never heal. It will even cause infection to run through your heart and through your mind. You have to remove the nail, and sometimes it takes forever to get that nail out. But in time, you will get that nail out. And eventually, that wound will turn into a scar. And so when we forgive, we remove the offense, and we let it go. Now, here's the thing, church, before you tune me out. Letting it go does not acknowledge that it didn't happen. It did happen. It was awful. It was horrible. You would never choose to go through that. It happened. The damage is done. Letting it go doesn't acknowledge that it didn't hurt. Or cause major pain. And letting it go doesn't acknowledge that it's not going to change your current circumstance and your future and your relationships. It will change. But what letting it go does acknowledge is that the nails that held Jesus to the cross are no longer holding you to the offense. Someone needs to hear that. Forgiveness and letting it go means that the nails that held Jesus to the cross are no longer holding you to that hurt and to that pain. Yes, it happened. Yes, it was awful. Yes, that person doesn't deserve forgiveness from you. But neither do we. Grace is freely given, not based upon what we do. You see, in Isaiah 53... Isaiah 53, it says this. It tells us that Jesus became that wooden fence for us. He became that wooden fence. He's the one that took the damage, the pounding, upon his flesh on the cross, so that we can have forgiveness, so that we can have healing and wholeness. That's why you're here, isn't it? Now if Jesus, his sacrificial body, had not been pierced with the nails, number one, he wouldn't have been held to the cross. And number two, his blood wouldn't flow. He wouldn't have been held to the cross and his blood wouldn't have flown. And number three, the power would not have been released when Jesus said, it is finished and took his last breath and died. Now he rose from the grave. He defeated sin. He defeated hell. He defeated the grave. And he's spending some time on earth to show the disciples and those what he did but here's the thing church have you ever thought about this he left the cross the nails are on the cross but there is one thing of the cross that stayed with Christ one thing the holes the holes in his hands the holes in his feet he's God he could have totally healed it But he wanted to keep those scars to remind us of what he did. He even said, Thomas, feel the nail holes. Feel the hole in my side. And what he's saying is the nails that held me to the cross don't hold me anymore. But I have the scars to prove it. That I died for you. And if you allow that nail to be removed and you allow God to work in you to heal that wound, you will still have a scar. Keep those. Show them off. Shout from a mountaintop, because those scars prove that you made it to the other side. Those scars prove that that pain did not keep you on the cross. Those scars prove that Jesus, the calmer of the storm, The one who is victorious over all was with you every step of the way. And those scars remind you to keep moving on and keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. So I want to throw this out. (laughs) If you don't believe the gospel is true, uh uh-oh. If you don't believe the gospel of Jesus Christ is true, and there are many, 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 many people who don't believe. If you don't believe it's true, then by all means, hurt those who hurt you. By all means, get even. By all means, slap and punch the person who punched you. By all means. If, there, if all there is is this world, (laughs) and there's not a just God fully in control over all of our affairs and everything we do, and is not in the business of redeeming what is broken, then break the heart of the person who broke yours. Come up with the best strategy to build thick walls in your life. And strategies to get even with those who messed with you and your family so that they would never mess with you again. Go ahead. But if the gospel is true, if Christ made a way to give you grace, favor you don't deserve, if Christ paid a debt that he didn't know, because we had a debt we couldn't pay, Then there is no limit, friends. There's no end to the responsibility of one who has Christ living inside of their heart to forgive and to love one another. Not only is it your responsibility, but it is a privilege. Did you hear me? To receive forgiveness and to give forgiveness is a privilege. And forgiveness is shows others what the gospel is all about. And so you got to let it go at the cross and you got to leave it there. Not that it's not going to come back because sometimes it will. Not that it's not going to hurt once in a while because sometimes it will. Not that it's not going to be a process because it will be a process. But we are called to let it go because God took it upon his son's shoulders. And so lastly, we need to go. You need to be peacemakers. And that's what Romans twelve seventeen through 18 says. Would you mind uh, showing that? Repay no evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all, if possible. If possible. Not, not all times is it possible. So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. We are called to be peacemakers. I remember when I was um, in 2006, it was my first ministry job. Felt like all the walls were crumbling and it just felt like God was robbing me of what he promised me in ministry and what I thought I was supposed to do. And four months, I'm out of a job. Lauren was out of a job. I mean, it was crazy. And I'll share more of my story in the future for finances because had we not been good stewards and given God our first fruits and obeyed him with our finances, we wouldn't have been able to live off our savings for seven months while we lived with her parents. But I remember that day. It was probably one of the most painful days I remember. Feeling helpless and hopeless, feeling betrayed and rejected, feeling lost, confused, and a little angry. I was just weeping and I remember the voice of God in my heart said so loud and clear, Son, I am with you, and this does not surprise me. I am in control. This is in my plan. If you cling to bitterness, you will rob yourself of every blessing I have awaiting you. And I can honestly tell you by God's grace, I did that. Oh, man, it was tough. I couldn't go to church for almost a year, guys. It was so painful, so painful. But I just trusted that God's plan was greater than man's plan. And I'm here before you today because I didn't cling to bitterness and rob myself of every blessing that was awaiting me. You see that's what jealousy and selfish ambition and bitterness does. James 4, would you throw that up there? James 4 says this talks about <laughs> Sorry, it's a couple further. Sorry. Let's try this maybe or not. James 4 says, "But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, shut up." That's what it say. Shut up. Don't boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be every disorder and every vile practice. Guys, we have to be peacemakers. We have to be peacemakers. If you're struggling with this, come on Tuesday nights to celebrate recovery. The 12 steps take you through that. Can we just go through them really quick? Step five, do you mind? We admitted to God, to ourselves, and to one another, uh, another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. We, We get right. We identify it, confess our sins. We were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of our character. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up next. We humbly asked him to remove all of our shortcomings says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them, do to others as you would have them done to you. We made, a direct, we made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Therefore, if you're offering a gift, we read this last week at the altar, and then remember your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. Last, we continue to take personal inventory. And when we were wrong, we will promptly admit it. Band, you can come on up. We're going to take communion, but this time it's, it's on you. You don't have to come up. If you took it last week and you're good and you're, you're fine, communion is all about remembering the gospel message and the good news for you. And as you remember, you receive that forgiveness. You receive that mercy and you release that hurt and you release that pain. And I'm going to ask several of our prayer partners, elders, I really want you to stand, not wait for people, but I want you to stand in the corners and I want you to be available for prayer. Can we even have a couple prayer people in the back corners? If you need prayer, if you need to confess your sins to somebody, would you do that? I promise we won't put it on Facebook. By the way, some of us have to confess and lay down at the altar our Facebook. There's so much gossip and negativity and self-image problems. You're upset and offended by something someone said on Facebook. I know many of you have said that you've canceled your Facebook account because you can't deal with the political junk and the hatred going on. I'm not saying cancel your account. I'm saying settle accounts quickly. You can have an account as long as your account is settled with one another. And so I was just going to ask you to come down the side aisles, take the communion. There's white baskets along the rows. Would you please put them when you're done in the basket? Take it on your own. Receive the bread and the blood, the juice. Remember and release. Receive. Remember. And release. Receive what he's done for you. Remember what he's done for you. And with grateful hearts, release. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for your Holy Spirit to sweep through this place like a mighty Russian wind. And as we lay our nails at the cross and we let it go, may we go forth in grace and forgiveness and truth. Father, minister to your children and make our hearts whole. We pray this all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.